H-Y-Y and Billy Penn, it is hitting season. Hey there, podcast pals. I'm John Stolnes from The Good Fight and Billy Penn. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolnes. Coming up, Shohei Otani has a new home, and it's not Philadelphia, of course, but uh, by by now, most of you know where he's going and what he signed for, but we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about Dave Dombrowski and his inactivity at the winter meetings. Good, bad, indifferent. Uh, I haven't had a chance to, to talk to um, any of my co-hosts about the Bryce Harper extension conversation from the end of the week, so we'll get into that as well. Uh, so joining me, uh, Justin Clue is out. He took a little mini vacation, so joining me uh, is the other uh, the w- other third of the of our uh, our little group here that, that gets together on Sunday Monday. Uh, Liz Rocher from Yahoo Sports. Follow her on Twitter at Liz Rocher. Elizabeth, how are you doing? I'm doing great, John. Just totally fabulous in every way. No complaints at all. And and I, I hope you <laughs> notice I said, how is your doing? I, I hope is that- your- how I wasn't going to point it out. I was not going to point it out to you. But. I like it, though. I think it rolls. I'm, I, that may become my go-to thing. How is your doing? I like it. Yeah. I think people will be initially confused and worried sure. about you. But once they understand <laughs> that it's intentional, they no. might. They, they might get on board. Once they realize I'm not having a stroke, they'll understand that this new grammatical intro greeting is 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 going to catch on so uh, as you can tell not at the top of my game today folks uh but we're gonna we're gonna rattle through some baseball news and uh when last i spoke to you on episode 753 we were talking a little bit about shohei otani uh this was on friday when the rumor mill was going absolutely bonkers none of it correct by the way which we're going to get into here in just a second uh shohei otani i mentioned it looked like he was going to go to the blue jays not the case at all. Shohei Otani ends up with the team that I think he was destined to end up with, the team that put all of the pieces in place in order to sign him over the course of the last year. He's going to the Los Angeles Dodgers. He's staying in Southern California. That's not a surprise. The surprise is the 10-year, $700 million contract that Shohei Otani will be earning with the Los Angeles Dodgers. We're hearing so much of it deferred money. Don't know for how long. Don't know the real details of, of the contract, at least if they're out there. I don't care. (laughs) It's 10 years and $700 million. And Liz, this deal on its face, for as great a player as Shohei Otani is, it does feel insane to me. But then again, we've never had a Shohei Otani in baseball before. I think it's safe to say that no one will no one will beat seven hundred million dollars until the twenty forties roll around. Like this is just yeah. this is an insane amount of money. It is a lot of money. It's a lot of money. But I think you need to put it in context. Like people talking about like this is large, you know, his one year salary is uh, larger than the the payroll of the Oakland Athletics. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, it is. That is not his problem. That is the Athletics problem. Right. You know, and you have to think about Otani. He is a, a unicorn. There has never been a player like him in more ways than one, not just on the field, but he is one of the most popular athletes in the world. He is incredibly marketable. And he brings an entire country's eyeballs with him. Like, he is insanely popular there. Like, you can't imagine. And for him to not just come here and succeed, you know, sort of defying the Ichiro model, like trying to follow, but then like bettering him 
in getting this groundbreaking contract. He is he's a megastar over there. And the Dodgers are spending a lot of money on him, but they are going to make even more. And so he deserves this contract for a lot of reasons. And that's one of them. That he's just yeah. he's incredibly appealing, talented, and marketable. The the Dodgers are I they how they've made so much money in the past twenty four hours, I'm sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, and, and the other thing, too, that a couple different things here. One, he is one of the top five sluggers in the game and a top of the rotation starting pitcher, provided that he's still effective after this uh, second Tommy John surgery, which is not a guarantee, by the way, which is why I didn't think he was going to make quite this much. I thought there would be teams that might be a little bit more reluctant to shell out that kind of money for a guy who you're, you're I think it's reasonably you're reasonably sure he'll he'll, you know, he will pitch again and he'll be an effective pitcher, but it's not a guarantee with a second Tommy John surgery, but this also with the deferrals and this is the, this is the big thing here. So much of this money is going to be paid 10, 15, 20, maybe even 30 years down the line when money is not as valuable as it is today. And I don't, I, by that, I don't mean we're going to start paying for things in, 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 cheese and garbage and whatnot you know money is still going to exist you but, don't know <laughs> well, who knows you know what i mean it's, it's that's true um but i mean you're the with inflation money is more valuable now than it is then 700 million dollars if it was being paid all at once now is more valuable than 700 million dollars sprout out over 30 years so 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 that's one thing and that's one of the rationales that the dodgers and, and that people are using uh to kind of say that it's not as much as you think that being said still a lot of money and there are really only a handful of teams that could have afforded to do this. I don't think the Phillies could have afforded to do this, right? I mean, even if like kind of the cupboard, even if they hadn't signed Bryce Harper and Trey Turner, I don't think they could have played in with with seven hundred million dollars. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but certainly with those guys, there's no chance they could have signed Shohei Otani. And and I'm looking around the league. They said there were a couple of suitors, a couple of finalists for Shohei Otani. Who else was playing in the seven hundred million dollar waters? I just don't know who those teams were. I guess the Yankees, I guess maybe, but I I don't they didn't they don't seem to have been that team the last couple of years. So, uh I it's uh, it's a fascinating signing and you're right. We we've never seen a player like this before. Um it's it's going to be justified based on how much money he's able to generate for for the team. And I guess the other question I want to ask you, is it better for baseball that he ended up landing in LA rather than going someplace like Toronto, because it sounds like Toronto was probably one of the finalists here. I mean, there was seemed to be a lot of smoke in, in that direction. Shohei Otani going up to Canada, going up to Toronto, would that have been worse for baseball than him staying in Southern California and obviously playing for a marquee team like the Dodgers, certainly more marketable, but how much would it have hurt baseball more if he had gone to Toronto, if at all? I don't think it would have, hurt baseball and people who are exclusively thinking in that way are are, are kind of removing Shohei Otani's like actual humanity and free will from <laughs> from the from the equation because what matters to what's better for baseball when it comes to a player making their own personal life decision that's going to affect them, their family, their friends for the next, you know, 10, 15 years like like, it does not matter mm -hmm. that it might hurt baseball. Like, baseball obviously wants him to go somewhere marketable, and they have to hope that Otani wants to go to one of those places. But, like, it wouldn't have, like, I, I couldn't even, 
like I could tell you how it might quote unquote hurt baseball, but I don't want to sort of dignify that with a response because uh, what a player wants to do with their career is what a player wants to do, you know? Yeah, no, that's fair for sure. And, you know, I, I think that, um, I know we that's want- not the answer you wanted, but you know, I well, can no, say I mean, it would have it well, there would have been fewer eyeballs. It would have been a different country. People wouldn't have been able people from the United States wouldn't have been able to see him as often, you know, that type of thing. But you know, it's uh that's just kind of small potatoes in my mind when you think about this is what a player spends his first six years in the majors dreaming about. Yeah, you know? and, and yeah, without without a doubt, and and I'm I'm glad he signed where he wanted to sign. I'm glad he's getting the money that he's that he's going to be getting, and 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 good for him. And it certainly sets the bar. For, I mean, I mean, I don't even know if it sets a bar because he is his own bar. Uh, but he's he, he certainly um, he he certainly did best what was, what was best for him and what was best for the team. And um, Major League Baseball will certainly be or is certainly happy with the fact that he is is going to be in L.A. But I think they would have been fine if he'd gone to Toronto too, because the Blue Jays when they're a marquee organization you know they get a lot of spotlight on them that's not like they're you know buried somewhere in the desert <laughs> they're yeah they're there that's a real franchise in in toronto with the blue jays so yeah i would say i know you mentioned that you know this is not something you think the phillies would have done especially since they signed all those guys but i i think if it was possible for them to do it and they felt like he was a fit and they needed that i think they would absolutely do it like it would have been an announcement by John mm-hmm. Middleton that we are this team now. We are yeah. paying the bill. I mean, they've already made that announcement because they have several three hundred million dollar players <clears throat> on their team right now. Yeah, uh, and that's not seven hundred million, but they're also not Shohei Otani. Right. So right, I right, mean, right. It, it would have been like an elevation to a new level. Like, yeah, we are now thinking of ourselves as the Dodgers of right, the right. NL East. This is who we are. We're going to be playing in these waters. We're going to be, you know, we have no problem shelling out this type of money to the right player. And I think I think that is remains true. That this player at this time just wasn't a good fit for them. And I, I right. don't think, I hope people aren't like angry about that because the shifting around that they would have to do to accommodate this guy would yeah. be... Well, I think it would hurt the team more than it would help it, at least in the short term, not in the long term, but definitely the short term. Yeah. So this gives the Dodgers what could be a legendary top three in the order of Betts, Freeman, and Otani. I don't know that we'll see a better threesome at the top of a lineup maybe in our in our lifetimes with these three guys, three future Hall of Famers, all all batting one after the other. Does this make the Dodgers the favorites in the National League right now. Their big issue coming into the offseason was pitching, and I know based on some of the rumors, they're obviously still going to add some pitching here during the course of the offseason. Uh, you wonder if they you know, go after like a Blake Snell or you know, make a trade for, for, for somebody else out there. But um, you know, what do you think this means as far as the pecking order in the National League? How much better are the Dodgers right now? Uh, they're a lot better. <laughs> they're very better, um, like hugely, massively better. I mean, we'll just have to see how it plays out. Um, I, I hate, I mean, I, I've never hated, hated the Dodgers, but mm-hmm. now I'm, I, you know, I think we can all feel free to hate them <laughs> yeah. with, you know, we don't have to hate the players though. I also hate Freddie Freeman. Um, we can just hate the team for being the team. Um, but I mean, it, the only good news is it means like, like the NL West is like sewn up now for quite a while, unless something like really tragic happens with the Dodgers. 
Like it's sewn up and we don't have to worry about the Dodgers having a surprise good season. The uh, sorry, the Giants having a surprise good season. Their mm-hmm. fans are in a state right now. Like I feel bad for Blue Jays fans because they got sort of uh they were like the uh the casualty of all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Giants fans are just I, I've been watching them on Twitter and they're in a well, we don't need him and we don't want him <laughs> kind of place right now. And yeah. it's really uh hilariously pathetic uh yeah <laughs> yeah sorry Giants well, fans but I'm not yeah, sorry and sorry Diamondbacks fans Eduardo Rodriguez was a very nice signing last week for for, for y'all but uh <laughs> no that, cares. That, that may have been the high watermark but again the the big joke is that the Dodgers have had one of the best teams in baseball each of the last couple of years and have not failed to win a playoff series and you know that's the joke Otani can he win them a play help him win the playoff series and and that remains to be seen it certainly makes them the favorite to win the National League West but that hasn't meant a whole lot in terms in the West or the East in terms of uh, getting through to the playoffs the last couple of years with this new wild card. So, and I, I think that'll, I think that'll even out over time. I think eventually the, the 100 win teams will start to do better in the playoffs, but um, until that happens, you know, this is about getting you to the one six through the one sixty two in the best possible position. And then in the playoffs, you do want to have that deep lineup. I remember just last year in the playoffs though, Betts and Freeman just struggled all kinds of different ways. It, it does happen in a short series, as we saw with the Phillies towards mm-hmm. the end of the NLCS. You just you give yourself the best chance to get to the playoffs, and then whatever team's playing the best in that short little tournament ends up winning the whole thing. Exactly. I did want to, yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that's you mentioned what I was going to mention, which is it happens mm-hmm. to the Phillies, it happens to every team. You can't you can't take out insurance against that. You just can't. Yeah. The only yeah. thing you could do is what the Phillies and Dodgers have done, which is put as many stars and good players as possible on your team. That's it. Yep. And the Dodgers are, you know, winning at that. Yes, they are. Yeah, yes, they yes, they absolutely are. Um, I did want to talk to you about I mentioned on Friday when I was doing my my podcast at there is, you know, John, I think it was John Morosi who was talking about the, something, a deal with Otani being imminent and that there was he was in Toronto and, and all this stuff. And then Morosi had at the end of the day issue an apology for for being really wrong about it. But you got people tracking plane flights from Southern California to Japan. Um, Bob Nightingale wrote an article for USA Today about it. And we've we've taken Bob Nightingale for a ride a number of different times here on this podcast. He is oftentimes wrong on things. And I wonder if he's had a. Uh, a coming to Jesus moment at, at some point over the last couple of years because he just eviscerated his profession in an article this week, ripping baseball writers specifically for how they treated the Shohei Otani rumor situation in their desperation to be the first person to get the Shohei Otani story right. So many people ran with things that were just flat out wrong, flat out not accurate. And Nightingale's basically saying that like, this is not a first a first time thing. Like this has been happening in baseball off seasons for a long long, long time. He's like, you can tell which writers are connected to which agents based on the news and the different players that they're reporting on. And he's basically saying like, because teams are, are, are not able to talk about pending free agents without like being on the hook, if, if, if they sign a deal, but then there's a physical or something that comes up, you know, like they don't talk. Teams, generally speaking, don't talk to baseball reporters until something is finalized. It's like 95% agents. And this is something I think we have been saying over the course of the last few years. Did you get a chance to read the Nightingale column? And what'd you think? Um, I, I did not read it. Um, I read some of it. I was, I mostly looked at some of the criticism to be, I mean, and I'm not saying Nightingale is wrong. Um, because it was messy and gross, but, um, 
you know, hand wringing um, about, you know, sort of like fake, you know, sort of like fake pecking order stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this isn't life and death. This is a baseball signing. This is a man who already has a lot of money signing a contract so he has even you know for yeah, to more have money. more money <laughs> so you know i it's not that it, i don't think it's serious but a lot of it is knowing who to trust yeah and morosi has not been a major player in baseball for a while in baseball news um and rumors and stuff like that like when i i was kind of surprised to see people taking him 100% you know, completely on faith. He's, well, the problem is that he, MLB Network is employing him as like their main rumor guy. So, I mean, he, they're the 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 league's network itself is propping Morosi up with tweets and and camera time and saying like, "Here's our guy. Here is our baseball reporter breaking news." I mean, that's why he's being trumpeted and and plastered in front of everyone to say like, "This this is a source you can trust." Here is Major League, the Major League Baseball Network's guy. They should just get rid of the network i'm sorry it's pointless it's useless it's just company tv which no one wants no one wants to watch the mlb line it's not a good product it really isn't unfortunately and when you look and this is no no offense to morosi who I, i i hear is just a nice man but if that's the best they can do then i don't know what they're doing because mm-hmm. their guy used to be Ken Rosenthal, and they screwed up that relationship royally, you know, yep. to the point where he was suspended for something absolute. You know, the whole thing was ridiculous. So, you know, they they've made this bed for themselves. But like I, Morosi during the offseason typically does like ho- college or high school hockey. You know, like I just did yeah. not I did not think of him as being very connected. Um, and so you sort of have to know who to look for, you know, you, the big players, you know, Rosenthal, um, Jason Stark, he's the one that usually has info about Phillies related stuff. Those that still is major. His main sources are, are all Phillies mm-hmm. guys, which I, yeah. I love personally. Yeah, I do too. And, yeah. and I think, I think that's great. And, and that's the thing was like, uh, we as fans love seeing the rumors come through. It gives us something to talk about, but I, I think, I think Nightingale was, his comment is it's personal for him because, you know, he's, they're all reporting on these, on these different mm-hmm. kinds of things. And the guys who spread the rumors are the guys who get the clicks or the guys who get the likes who are the guys who get the attention. And generally speaking, John Morosi is an exception to the rule here who got called out basically whenever Whenever and I think Nightingale's one has been wrong before, you know. I mean, and these guys have all been wrong before, running with an agent's information because they're doing the bidding of of the agents. When they tweet something out, like um, you know, the Phillies, you know, were one of six teams or seven teams or have had conversations or have said to have some level of some level of interest in so and so player. Like a team is not going to come out and refute that because they they really can't. They can't say no. We're not talking to this guy unless you know unless they go to the reporter and say hey you got it wrong. You need to, you need to tweet something, you know, about this, but that doesn't happen very often. And so you, you, these reporters just have an impunity most of the time to kind of, you know, tweet whatever they want out. And again, like, it's not life or death. Like there are many more serious things going on in the world than baseball writers getting rumors wrong or running with information first. But because we live in this little world, this little bubble, this off-season bubble where we're little birds hungry to be, to have little little bits of rumors, you know, regurgitated into our mouths. You know, we this 
it's, it's, it's apropos to to our current moment here yeah. in, in in the off season. And part of the, I mean, and this has been a big issue in in NFL to content aggregators mm-hmm. on Twitter who yeah. are taking news and aggregating it, saying slightly different words, taking the video, downloading yep. it themselves and reposting it as their own stuff. And there are a few guys that do it well that might be useful uh, sources of information, but the vast majority are just crap. It's just crap. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so that has made its way into baseball and has been here for a little while. And with uh, Twitter's uh, new... Uh, fee structure and payment structure for clicks and you know retweets and whatnot yeah that it just made it all worse because people saw an opportunity yep um so yeah like i'm not saying that nightingale's wrong he certainly isn't everyone could do better but like you know like in my my line of work i am uh, we write up news and add analysis to it but we don't have original, we, we don't have newsbreakers uh, yeah. for baseball. And so we are relying on other people. So our goal is to have everything prepared ahead of time to and to get it up as soon as we hear the news and we know it's confirmed. And so I deal all the time with, do we trust this guy? Do we need a second source? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, you know, and I, you know, I have a list of approved uh, beat writers that I put together for myself that I know that I can use that are trustworthy so everyone sort of has to make their own decision. You know, and part of it was that Otani didn't want anything to come out and everyone was desperate for news. Everyone yeah. was desperate to hear something. And I do want to say one thing before we before we move off this topic. Ken Rosenthal wrote uh, an article for The Athletic about, um, what was it? Uh, baseball isn't broken. You know, this contract doesn't yeah. symbolize. Now, I would just like to say days before, maybe just about a week before, he published a story about how, in fact, baseball is kind of broken because no stories were being, you know, no signings were happening at the winter <laughs> meetings. And MLB yeah. has to artificially, you know, needs to prop this up. They need to make it a big event. And I'm like, no, like you make up your mind. You got to yeah. make up your mind. And that's what's frustrating me is that that type of hypocrisy and Mm -hmm. i see some of it with nightingale as well you know though i'll be honest some of his oopsies are oftentimes just text he refuses to he just does not correct in his tweets so yeah yeah yeah. Or, you know, we can delete tweets now. So go ahead and do that if yes. you need to. Um, a couple other things. Um, I saw a rumor late last week. Um, Reese Hoskins uh, may be talking to the Cubs. And I'm seeing that as a I, I just in passing. I think that's a I think that'd be a fun destination for yeah, him. Yeah, It would uh, be a good fit. We get to mm-hmm. see him a few times yep. when he re- when he returns. It would be incredible. I'm still sad. <laughs> Yeah, I know. We're all sad. Yeah, that he if we were any way to keep him, that would have been great. But um, I think if there's another landing spot, the Cubs would be I think he'd be great in Chicago. And I think that's a good young team. Mm -hmm. Good spot for him there. Uh, Also saw today uh, and talking about the rumors, Yamamoto meeting with the Yankees. I think that's not at all surprising. Um, Seems like, again, the Yankees, if they they want a guy like that, typically speaking, they they go out and they get a guy like that. So after trading.
trading for Juan Soto last week. Uh, I would imagine that they're um, one of the heavy favorites to, to sign Yamamoto to a what looks like to be a $300 million contract. Joining Garrett Cole on the staff is another $300 million pitcher. So we'll see if that ends up taking shape. Um, Dave Dombrowski, a couple other things from, from the winter meeting. Uh, there was an interesting comment from Dombrowski at the winter meetings last week. Todd Zalecki reported that Dombrowski said he could have made a trade uh, where someone would have said, geez, that's a good trade, and that he could have traded Orion Kirkering as part of that deal. So what did, what Dave Dombrowski is essentially saying is that they, they want to make sure they hold on to some of these young guys that they have, and they really like Orion Kirkering for, for I think, obvious reasons. Yeah. His stuff appears to be very good, and I like Orion Kirkering also. I'm not sure why you would admit that you got offered a trade that most people would think is a really good trade, and you turned it down. If that's Matt Clintock saying that, I'm probably losing my mind. I have more trust and faith in Dave Dombrowski than I do Matt Clintock. So if Dave has his reasons, then he has his reasons. And I, I think, you know, as we one of the storyline for the Phillies has been the inactivity of the Phillies outside of Aaron Nola, right? Dave Dombrowski sitting back and saying, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of happy with my team. I'm kind of happy with what we got. We're going to do some things. We're not a finished product. We're going to go sign a, a corner outfielder. We're going to go sign another, you know, relief pitcher. But, you know, we got time. No big, no big deal. We don't need to go. We don't need to go crazy here. And most of us, I mean, on, on this podcast, I think we've kind of said, yeah, all right. I mean, we want them to do something. We would be very excited if they, they did something that was large and impactful. But what that is, not really sure, you know? I mean, so I guess, does this speak more our attitude towards this, our level of trust for Dave Dombrowski? Like, if this was Matt Klintak approaching this offseason this way, would we have the same patience, do you think? Uh, I don't think so because, I mean, Klintak's big, you know, his big moves were different. And mm -hmm. I think we, I mean, we all have a lot more trust in Dabrowski because we see what he's done in such yeah. a short time. He just, you know, and mm -hmm. um, uh, Middleton, Middleton trusts him. And yeah. that's really what it is. And I think that's why he felt he, you know, Dombrowski felt like he could talk about that because it's obviously something he discussed with Middleton. And it's, you know, he's like, so this is why I don't think we should do this. This was an offer we got. But, you know, and that that is comforting because Middleton wasn't like, uh, no, do this, trade this guy. You know, he trusts him as well. And that's yeah. good enough for me. Like, I think we all saw a lot in Orion Kirkering, especially in big situations this year. It wasn't always great, but he has a lot of potential. Yeah. Yeah, I worry that we're overselling him a little bit at, at the moment. I mean, he did have a great season in the minors, but we only saw him for like one major league appearance, two major league appearances before the playoffs. And he looked decent in the playoffs until he kind of got his confidence shaken a little bit, which again, totally understandable. I think Rob Thompson misused him in the postseason. Uh, way too many high leverage spots for a kid with his lack of experience. And so I'm not certainly, that's that's not how I've defined him in my brain as, as being someone who blew a couple of games in the playoffs. But uh, I, I think I, I worry. I, I don't want Dave Dombrowski to turn down good trades simply to keep Orion Kirkering. You know what I mean? Like this has to be if it's a good trade, it's a good trade. Make the trade. But at the same time, I trust Dave Dombrowski and I, I, I know what he's doing. Like if, if it was a trade for Tyler O'Neill or something like that, who went to the Red Sox in a trade for a couple of pitchers, I would probably not do that deal. I would say, yeah, let me hold on to Orion Kirkering. It, it just without knowing what the trade was, it's impossible to say whether or not uh, Dave should have done the deal. But um, I, I think it's I just think it was 
interesting and, and the overall tenor of the Phillies. I mean, we, we look at the Phillies, they beat the Braves in the playoffs each of these last two years. And in our minds, we can be thinking to ourselves, we're ahead of the Braves. Honestly, at the end of the day, we're still pretty well short of the Braves in, in, in terms of catching him in the National League East. Now, maybe that's artificially influenced by the fact that last year they didn't have Bryce Harper for the first month and it took him another month to get his feet under him. Trey Turner got off to a super slow start. There's reason to believe that they'll get off to a better start here in, in 2024. So maybe the gap between the two teams isn't as big as it maybe it looked in the standings. But the Braves have owned this division for the last five or six years. I'm a little concerned that the Phillies are just happy with 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 where they are and and kind of being the second best team in the division or the wild card team or maybe they do think that they're closer to the Braves. I don't know. What do you, what, do you think we're close enough like to be going kind of laissez-faire? Um I think part of the I, I don't think it's hmm, I'm trying to think about how to phrase this so it's like an actual answer to your question. Um, <laughs> you sort of have to think about what more can the the Phillies do that's yeah, going to make a point. genuine impact? Like yep. they could trade out JK for whoever, and I'm definitely for that. But, you know, there aren't a lot. And I think that's what it comes down to with the Kirkering move. Like, is this move really going to move the needle? Or are we better off sticking with him to see what we've got for a yep. longer period of time and then figure it out? Because if it's not if it was like an actual trade that would have added value to the Phillies in a serious way, Dabrowski would have done it. Yeah. Like people, would yeah. have, you know, people, you know, he, he said that the trade he turned down was a, you know, quote unquote good trade. And that is definitely something, but it must not have been terribly needle moving right. for him to, you know. Right. Like if it's Tyler O'Neill, no. that's not needle, that's not needle moving, you know? Exactly. And you look at the Braves, and part of the thing with them is that they not only saying that luck, but it is sort of lucked into generational talents kind of everywhere. And yeah. they also had them sign some incredibly below market deals. Um, yep. And so they've got a lot more room, but you know they're at the top and they're not doing a tremendous amount of improving either. So uh, like, I, I don't think the Phillies are satisfied with being where they are but there's also just sort of a th this is what it is yeah you they're know? committed they're committed to some guys and and that's just kind of the end of it exactly they're committed to these guys <laughs> and they believe that they can still you know bring the fire when they have it yeah yeah so and I, you have to sort of under that's why we are glad that the two wild car thing exists yeah because we can now there's a chance for us to make it in. And yes, we have to play an extra series to do it, but that it exists for, I mean, you could think of it this way. It exists for us to get in because we have, yeah. you know, in the, in the, um, uh, like it, for it's the same thing for like the diamondbacks or the, not the giants, uh, other different teams, you know, they have to get through the battery. You know, the Dodgers are a, a wall. They're just a yeah. wall of talent and you can't get past it. And, you know, their battering rim will not work in the regular season, but in the playoffs, it's different. And they, again, you just need a chance. What you're playing for in the regular season is a chance to get to the playoffs where all bets are off and everything from the regular season, aside from that first wild card series, it's all thrown away. Yeah. 
So think of it that way. It's like a marathon to a, it's like a, you're running a marathon for the privilege of getting to a, a sprint. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That, that's a crazy way to run a race. But yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, last thing, Liz, and I talked a lot about this on the last podcast, and I wanted to get your thoughts on the Bryce Harper extension talks. Now, he signed for another eight years, $180 million. His average annual value right now ranks 41st in Major League Baseball. So you can kind of understand why they might want to redo some things. John Middleton even said after the NLCS when he won the MVP a couple of years ago that he thinks he might have underpaid Bryce Harper. I think it sure sounds like the Phillies want to make Harper happy. The, and I will say too, I'm, I'm in favor of giving them, giving him a five-year extension, something like that at the end of the current eight years that he's on. Although I will also say it's a terrible baseball decision. <laughs> like there's no, there's no good reason to, to give him another, like we, we screamed at Ruben Amaro for extending Ryan Howard's contract five years when he had like a year left. And now we're, we're considering adding five more years on the end of Bryce Harper's career when he's 38 years old uh for for no real good reason other than he probably just wants to to he wants to you know elevate his 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 salary or whatever it is and at the he's because the window's open right now and he's so important i'm i'm willing to do whatever it takes to make him happy i but just from a pure baseball business standpoint it's a terrible i think it's a terrible idea <laughs> but where where are you on a bryce harper extension um it's, I mean, I'm about where you were. I don't think it's the same type of baseball decision as it was for Ryan Howard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of like a, a pure slugger versus a guy like Harper, you know, with, you know, the, the developments we've seen in, you know, taking care of your body, medical treatment, and, you know, all that, all that stuff that they do that I don't know about. You know, yeah. all the things that they, they have to do to stay in shape. It's a lot different Harper is a different player he wants to play into his 40s and he loves it here and this is I think the price you pay this is the price you pay it's not going to hobble the Phillies I don't think Middleton would allow it to hobble the Phillies but he's just as in love with Harper as Harper is (laughs) in love with us like this is to be honest the happiest mayor I feel like it's one of the happiest marriages in baseball between Harper Middleton and the fans and Keep it happy, man. Exactly. You want to keep him happy. And they've both been talking about it. Like Harper said right after the 2022 season that he wants to play to his 40s. That was already floated. Middleton said after he hit his 300th home run that, you know, I've thought about it. I want to keep Harper in in pinstripes for as long as he wears a baseball uniform and beyond. Mm -hmm. So this this is going to happen. Yeah. People who are like, no, it shouldn't happen. Get used to it. It's, it's happening. Happen. <laughs> Harper is going to be here yeah. for the rest of his career and beyond because he and honestly, he is an asset to the organization. No matter yep. what type of players come around, you know, the the Shohei Otanis and all that. Harper is still Harper. He was still hyped when he was like yeah. 12. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated when he was like 16. Like this is a huge he's he's still a huge and important player in baseball. <laughs> And will be a recruiting tool for years to come. And I think that's what he sees himself as as he gets older. I think there's a real good chance he goes down as the best player ever to wear a Phillies uniform. And oh, that's completely. saying something with Mike Schmidt because Mike Schmidt was was wildly great. Um, but Bryce Harper is is certainly on that track. And, you know, if he's if he's here for eight plus another three, four five years, I mean, you're almost certainly he's almost certainly going to own every offensive record that this team has that by, by the time it's all said and done. So, um, 
yeah, I, I have I have no problem yeah. with this either. But uh, it is uh, it is interesting. By the year uh, twenty thirty five, we may have the very first player, manager, general manager in in baseball history, <laughs> yeah. in, in Bryce Harper. I'll so be interested I, to see the back half of I, his career it. and what he does with it. Like, does he yeah. want to coach? You know, does yeah. he feel sort of inspired by? I'm going to guess Rob Thompson's the best manager he's ever had. I would you think know? so. And it's, yeah. it's meaningful, I think, to Philadelphia because he wasn't a player that was drafted here and loves it here and stayed forever. He's a player that actively chose to be here. Yep. He yep. actively chose to come here and then stay here forever and is willing to go on television and talk about the Eagles, his new favorite team. Yeah, and he's not and, a Cowboys fan anymore. Nope. Exactly. The Eagles, his new favorite team and no one else's. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So that man can, and you know, he has said too. you know, fans think I'm pandering. I'm not pandering. There's a little pandering, a little, he's a little a, pandering. But he's beautiful. a try hard and he is. he's very corny. And I yeah. think uh, even though it appears to be, you know, uh, like an act sometimes it's, I think it's genuine. I think it's genuine. He is. Yeah. You know, he, he sees those old time relationships that players and teams had with uh, fans and wants to be that old school player. He's like, I want to be part of the fabric of the city because I chose to be here. And yeah. in a way, there isn't anything we could do to repay him for that in a lot of ways. And so yeah. what the Phillies are going to do is give him a lot of money. And it's not my money <laughs> or your money. No. That's right. That's right. Just give him the money and I don't care. Yeah. Exactly right. By the year 2036, who knows if we'll even speed, still be around. So why are we worrying about <laughs> why are we worrying about 2036 and here in 2023? Amen. Um, let's finish up the podcast with some final thoughts, Liz. Do you have anything left to share with the fine listeners? Um, uh, do I? We'll bring Phillies Phillies back next week. Yeah, when we've got the full band together. Yeah, we've got the full band together. Um, I did not get it. It's been a, it's been a very busy couple of weeks for me, and it will continue to be that way. Uh, when I get a second to breathe, I will post uh, photos I've taken of the of the pages. Please, uh, thank you mm -hmm. for your patience. Your call will be answered in the order it was received. <laughs> very good. And I, I'm, I, you know, I know a lot of people who are listening to this podcast are also Eagles fans. If you know an Eagles fan who just doesn't want to even think about that team, send them over here for some for some baseball talk, and and we won't bother them with with Eagles thoughts here this week after a couple of really rough weeks. So just just let them know let them know where to find us here on Apple Podcasts. Or Spotify. Uh, but that's going to do it for this edition of Hit and Season. And also, folks, I want to direct you to our landing page over at Billy Penn, our fine partners over at BillyPenn.com. Uh, you can see all of our podcasts and all of our blog posts there at BillyPenn.com slash Hit and Season. And I'd also love to direct you over to the Hit and Season Patreon, where we've got some bonus podcasts over there as well, the new home of the Dirty Inning, as well as Absolutely Hammered. Go to Patreon.com slash Hit and Season. Sign up on one of the tiers in order to get access to some of those free bonus podcasts. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I guess if you actually sign up on the tier, it's not a free bonus podcast. It's just a, a bonus podcast that you're paying for. So that's the opposite of free. Think of it however you, you want. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. This is the free podcast. Thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you next time right here on Hidden Season.